Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure. Broaden your thinking. There is a lot more opportunities out there than you think. You know, you don't have to think in the realms of predefined career pathways such as accountancy or law or doctors or or that type of thing. Today I'm talking to Charlotte Williams, who is Head of Communications at the National Nuclear Laboratory. Charlotte lives in Lee in Lancashire with her husband Nathan and two boys. She enjoys running and exploring the countryside with her family, which is good because it counteracts her love of baking and making chocolate. Welcome Charlotte and thank you for joining me. Thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, it's lovely to see you. Um, so let's go back to when you grew up in Lee and you went to Bedford High School. What were you like at school? What did you enjoy doing or not enjoy doing? I, I was very studious at school, actually. I, I got a lot of good feedback from teachers uh, for, for being focused on my work, always being quite cheerful and having a smile on my face. Um, so a, a good pupil, I would say. Um, in terms of what I enjoyed doing, um, I had a real passion for creative subjects. So the arts, um, I enjoyed music, uh, I enjoyed um, English, actually, uh, because I found the creative side of that really of interest, that really appealed to me as well. I was less interested in the sciences um, and less interested in maths, but I still managed to do okay. So I think I was generally a good all-rounder as far as the teachers were concerned. Right and were you I mean you love running and stuff now were you sporty at school as well? I probably wasn't as sporty at school as I am now I think my my sportiness now comes from a desire to to keep fit uh, and look after myself. Um, I used to love playing netball in school um, but some of the other sports hockey and, and track not as bothered about doing those types of things. Right and where did the baking come in? The baking is a lockdown love. I, if you would have asked me that years ago, I would have said, no, I can't bake. No, you know, don't ask me to make cakes. It's not going to happen. Um, but obviously having more spare time on my hands recently, I thought I'd give it another go. Um, largely because my eldest son was needing to do something for school. So we tried something. It turned out quite well. And that encouraged me to try a new thing. And then before I know it, I've been baking many cakes for friends and family just to cheer them up a little bit over lockdown, really. So you did uh, quite a few GCSEs. Um, tell me what you did after those and why so when I left school I was really clear that I wanted to go on to be a primary school teacher so at my I first went to to college to Wigglin Lee College to start doing A levels obviously to put me on the right track but unfortunately personal circumstance meant that I couldn't continue on that path well that was okay um, because I work in a town where there was some job opportunities you know as a 16 year old there was lots of opportunities to become an office junior um, and just get some experience and work experience that would allow me to to develop later so so I'd started working with um, a local firm of solicitors in their accounts department um, which was really enjoyable early on I made some really good friends there lasting friendships 
um, and found the job reasonably easy, you know, for me to get my head around. So that was fine. Did that for about 18 months and then suddenly started to realize that something just wasn't clicking for me. It just didn't feel like a natural fit to focus on numbers um, on a day-to-day basis. And was there any particular incident or something that sort of prompted you with that thought or it's just a gradual sort of realisation? Yeah, no incident. It was a gradual realisation. I, I think it would probably be fair to say that I became less motivated and fell out of love with what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. And it did take me a few months to realise that it was probably try to time to move on and try something different, which I did eventually. But unfortunately for me at that time, I moved on to a, a very similar job for a different organisation, thinking maybe a change would, would help. Um, but unfortunately you know 18 months later same situation I found oh actually no I think it's the task the job that I'm doing more than where I am because again in that organization I made friends um, that have lasted and I enjoyed my time there but it, it just came back to my connection with with the subject matter I think more than anything right right so so what do you do when you're in that situation you're 18 months into your second job and again realizing this just doesn't quite fit what did you do it it gave me cause to think a little bit harder um, about what I thought may be going wrong and I think I became clearer at that point that if I didn't like maths in school having a career that involved numbers probably wasn't going to be the best way to go Um, at, at that time I just started to cast my net around a little bit and see what other opportunities were out there would I be able to switch into something totally different And by this point, I'd met my now husband, uh, Nathan, and he was working for an organisation called Marconi Communications in Liverpool. And he happened to mention that they did an undergraduate scheme uh, and asked, would I be interested in joining something like that? By this point, I was kind of late teens and and these um, undergraduate schemes were really aimed at 16 to 18 year olds. So I was a little bit nervous. And thought mm, maybe I will stand out people will look at me a bit strangely but after a little bit of soul searching I decided to go for it anyway um, and as luck would have it I landed the role um, and honestly that has been a huge changing point for me in terms of the direction that my career has taken. So what was the focus of the role that you stepped into then? So because it was um, an undergraduate scheme it was set up in quite a similar way to a lot of graduate schemes that were set up at the, at the time. And that involved following a program that lasted for about two years where you would rotate around the organizations and get experience in different functions. And because I wasn't clear at that point in time what I wanted to do, apart from the fact I knew I didn't want to do numbers, um, that was really helpful in getting me some great experience in different areas of business to see what might appeal to me. Isn't that fantastic? So, so you're getting paid to get experience in all sorts of different things in Marconi. Absolutely. And at the same time, getting paid to go to college and study further, which I hadn't managed to do previously. Fantastic. So how, how did you find that sort of balance of, so you're moving around the company with what placements, which were what, three months or something like that? They were kind of four to six months. Yeah. 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 And and you're also studying. Was that a day release or something like that? Yes, it was. When I first started, it was day release. Um, so that made it manageable. You know, you could balance the, the amount of time that you were putting into work versus the time you had to study uh, and complete assignments. Right. And so were, th- were there any of the particular placements that you thought, oh, this is this is me. I really like this. 
Yeah, there was two actually. Um, there was the, I worked within the HR team, um, working with um, school students, putting on work experience opportunities. So I worked putting together that program and I really enjoyed the people element of that, you know, really um, doing something nice for somebody else, helping them to get some positive experience. So that was something that I really connected with. Um, but then also working within the marketing team. So being business to business, it wasn't really focused on advertising as such, but it was around market intelligence and understanding where the organization sat and compared to other competitors and where it was trying to go. So it was that kind of strategic viewpoint. And I really enjoyed doing that as well. That's really good. Those schemes are so important, aren't they? Because who knows what they want to do at 16 or even 19, you know, and the, the chance to move around and find those things out is just fantastic. And, and, you know, given your current job, you you clearly found something which really fitted you, didn't you? Yeah, I, I certainly did. That experience was so valuable to me. Yes, yes. So you, you did stay on and you progressed and you you, you got to a BA uh, with honours. I know there were some sort of difficulties along that journey, weren't there? Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. So, so when I joined, it was about 2000 and it was just when the kind of... Um, technology.com bubble was starting to burst for, for want of a better description so the organization Marconi went through quite a lot of hardship so understandably there was knock-on effect to, to graduates and undergraduate schemes um, and a number of people that I joined with at that point unfortunately had to leave the organization luckily for me I was able to secure a permanent position with the marketing team which was really helpful. Um, but what did happen was I lost my day release in terms of completing my studies within the course of the working week. Um, but I kind of took the attitude that I started so I'll finish. So I finished doing the first part of the qualification and then the opportunity came up to go to Liverpool John Moores University and complete um, a degree. Um, and that's where I went and got my BA honours in business studies. So I was working full time and then I was going to uni two nights a week um, after work and then completing assignments in other free time as well. So it was a tough couple of years, but it was really worth the effort. Yeah, well done for that. I mean, I'm always so impressed with people that are so committed. They're going to finish it, you know, and 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 commit personally to them you know part of your work you, you know you had your full working week you were probably tired at the end of the day and yet you still were able to do those extra studies that's absolutely fantastic and it shows real willpower and determination and resilience I think in you to do that absolutely I was really driven I really wanted to get the degree I was the first first person in my family to get a degree and um, so I think that really helped to push me on a little bit you know and and, and to complete that course but I think for me I just knew that it was going to make a difference to my career and the direction that I wanted to head so I was really committed. Fantastic so then you moved from Marconi and joined uh, Ericsson in internal communications tell us about what were you ready for a change or because you were in marketing and then you moved to internal comms so tell us about that and what motivated you. So it's an interesting story, that one, actually. So if you remember, I said I liked the HR side and the marketing side. The funny thing was I was approached internally while still in Marconi by someone who um, had a role available in internal communications. At that point, I knew nothing about internal communications, didn't even know what it was. But the person had approached me and said they felt that I'd be a good fit 
for the role because of the people focused element and because of the communications element that comes from the marketing side of things. Um, so after a few conversations, it sounded of interest. So I went for it, secured the role and haven't looked back really, to be quite honest. Um, the interesting thing about the transition then from Marconi to Ericsson is because of the situation the organisation was in regarding the, the downturn of the, the telecoms industry, um, Marconi was actually acquired by Ericsson. So I sat in that internal communications position as it was as, as Marconi was acquired. So, you know, for, for your first experience in a role that you were quite new to, um, we went through redundancy exercises, site closures, um, you know, um, so many different things that you would normally only expect to do a little bit later on in your career. Um, but it was a lot of change, but also very rewarding because it was fundamentally making a lot of difference to people that were working within the organisation at the time. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because that connection with people and making a difference in their lives comes through in that story. But you were working in the internal comms. I, mean, I was just looking at your CV and you said that, you know, they, they were delivering cultural change during site closures, relocations and restructuring. But the post-activity survey showed a 30% improvement in morale. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it was because it was in a situation where people were quite down, there was a lot of hope when Ericsson acquired Marconi that things would be better. That said, when we then got to site closures and relocations, it kind of dipped again, you know, as people felt that, oh, maybe this isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. So it was a case of helping people along that journey, understanding why decisions have been made in, in the way they had and what the opportunities were and keeping people involved throughout that process as well to make them feel part of it. That was really important. Yes, yes, no, that's that, that is. So tell us about what you were learning about yourself during this time. You know, you had some experience where you enjoyed it, but you discovered it just wasn't you, you know, working in the finance with the numbers and things. And now you're in this role, which is you, and you're really enjoying it, making a positive difference. What, what were you able to contribute into that? And what did that tell you about your own strengths and weaknesses, do you think? I think for me, I took to that role a real affinity with the people um, within the organisation. So I saw myself as being a representative of Joe Bloggs within the organisation, you know, being able to take their perspective and overlay that onto any communication activity that we were doing within the organisation and push something out then or, or plan some kind of activity that would make sure that everybody had a voice and that their point of view was represented. So I think that was something that I like to think that I took to that role and helped make that successful. Obviously, we used a lot of different tactics and techniques as well to, to generate that involvement, but I was very sure to not lose that perspective and not step too far away from the people that were working within the organisation and how they would be feeling. It's so important, isn't it, to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and see things and hear things from their perspective. So then um, you spend some time uh, in British Gas Home Care, again, in internal communication. So this sort of this is running now uh, in your career. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing there. OK, so the move from from British from Ericsson to British Gas was um, a considered one. I really loved working at Ericsson. Um, but me and my husband both worked in the same organisation and after a number of years of, of 
redundancy and, and downsizing it, it just felt that it was too risky, particularly as in the latter years at Ericsson, I had two, my two children, my two boys. So I made the decision to, to pull away and, and go to British Gas. Um, very much in that internal communications role, um, but it was so different when I got there. So my responsibility was looking after um, communications for their contact centres in their services side of the business. So this is very much concerned with the engineers that are out going to people's homes um, and making sure that their boiler systems are all working as they need to. Um, the people looking after the engineers and planning their appointments and all that type of thing so culturally was where I felt the difference um, because the, the mindsets and the perspectives of those people working within British Gas were so different to what I'd seen in Ericsson. Um, the role was also very different because I was traveling a lot because I've gone from being responsible for um, communications um, at a more local level uh, for, for Ericsson to being responsible for it on a UK basis. So I would be traveling kind of Scotland down to Cardiff, to Leicester, um, to Manchester. So there was quite a lot of travel going on, but it really did, I really did connect with that role there. It was very pacey, very energetic, but really a positive vibe within the organization as well. Um, and it was a place where I was able to put some creativity into my work. So it wasn't just a case of, oh, let's send an email or, or put an intranet article out so people know what's going on. We would run regular events where we would get people together and talk to them about strategy. But obviously, when you're working in a, a call centre environment or you're an engineer and your day is filled with contact with customers, strategy becomes a little bit less interesting for the most part because most, mostly those people kind of feel it's not always relevant, you know? So that's where the creativity came in to put some, some build some connections so that people could understand why strategy, which can feel all the way up here, was relevant to what they were doing every day. So how did you do that? What was the creative things that you did? It started with um, a, an event where we encouraged our contact centre teams to record themselves delivering a best example of customer service. Um, so that was really dipping our toe in the water to see how they would respond because some really didn't like it. Some didn't like it, you know, because they didn't want to go on film. Some really embraced it and then some got really creative. And I'll never forget, there was this one group, they clearly didn't want to go on film, but they created a little script and we'd left fruit in the room for them to, you know, to snack on as part of the event that we were doing. And they'd taken two tangerines and drawn faces on the tangerines and had them talk to each other. So they still completed the filming task, but they didn't put themselves on camera. And that for me just shows the creativity that exists within the organization if you kind of give it an outlet. That's really good, isn't it? And, and, and again, on your CV, it was saying that you used actors to depict internal storylines as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. So one of the messages that we were trying to get across was the gravity of um, you know, what can worst case scenario, what can happen if a customer journey goes wrong? Um, and we were trying to encourage the teams to make sure that they um, see it through to the end. So don't just hand it off to somebody else. So we brought these actors in and we wrote a script and we created a stage show, essentially. Um, and so the actors played through a scenario and we would stop at certain points and, and get the, the attendees to contribute in which way they thought that it should go. But it was so powerful 
that we had to put tissues on the tables of all the attendees because we did find that some of the people attending actually were brought to tears by the end of it because it was such a powerful story. Goodness gracious, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Where do all those sorts of ideas come from? Was it the team and you were running brainstorming sessions or was it your creativity or a mixture of all the above? A mixture of all of it, really. What, what you tend to find, I mean, particularly in a communications team, there tends to be a high level of creativity and one idea will spark another and another and another. So those brainstorming sessions become crucial because you kind of might start with something that seems impossible but by the end of it, because you've bounced it off everybody within the team, you come with something that is feasible, but actually it's perhaps something that hasn't been considered before. Yes, yes. And did you feel in that role that you were in the right place for you at that time? Did it? Yeah, I absolutely did. I absolutely felt that um, it was just every day was different and there was a new challenge to address, but always in that role of, thinking about the person on the receiving end, how it might feel and what a difference it might make to their day if they understand better why a decision has been made in that organisation. That's really good, isn't it? So you then moved within British Gas to installations. Um, Did that give you a different sort of role or a different type of communications that you had to do? What, What was the reason for the change and what changed? So the, the reason for the change was just because I'd done already done two and a half years in customer service and there was a real desire to keep moving and growing and developing whilst you were in the organisation. The move to installations, the biggest change was the target audience. So we still had some contact centre uh, employees that I was working with at that point, but had a much larger contingent of engineers that was also having to work with as well to engage so again you know it's a case of getting creative um to to engage those people but those people obviously have a very different perspective on on things than maybe the contact center Mm -hmm. so what sort of different things did you do to communicate to that different sort of person so it was quite challenging in that environment because obviously engineers are out on the road all of the time so some of it was about creating new channels and making sure that we could reach them. We were lucky enough that um, they had iPads that created an avenue for us to to break through. Um, But a lot of it was about actually getting their attention because actually you can imagine when you're going from customers' houses back to back, getting that attention can be quite challenging because they're very focused on the job. But one of the key subject matters was safety because obviously being out in somebody's home, you've got to be very careful, make sure there are no slips, trips and falls, that kind of activity, and then safety of the individual themselves as well. Yeah, so there was a couple of campaigns that we did uh, relative to that. One that particularly stands out for me um, was one called Stop for Safety. Um, And it stands out for me, this one, because it actually went beyond the installations organisation where I was working. I went across the whole of British Gas in the end, um, but it was a whole day that was allocated to um, taking a couple of hours, but everyone paused their work and they thought about what safety means to them um, individually, but also in the course of their day to day activities. Yes, fantastic. That's that's really good, isn't it? And so um, you then uh, so you did that for a time and then more recently you have then joined the National Nuclear Laboratory. So tell us about 
why did you want to move again? Because it sounds like these roles at British Gas were really stretching you and giving you all sorts of different audiences and messages to communicate. And then you move from British Gas into a national nuclear laboratory. Yeah, absolutely, which would sound a bit strange. Um, but there was a couple of reasons for the move. One being, obviously, I mentioned already that I've got two boys um, and being on the road a lot means spending quite a lot of time away from um, my boys. Um, and they, in British Gas, they were doing a restructure uh, and the way they were organising the comms team presented an opportunity for me to either take a certain route um, or I, I could choose to step out and, and get some new experience somewhere else. And I chose the latter because I felt um, that that would be more beneficial to me personally. I'd been there for five or so years in British Gas and I see that actually you do need to move around to expand your experience of different organisations and the way they work and that type of thing. So what I actually did was, I think I left at Christmas time and I spent a few months just being mum, um, which was really quite nice. And I felt very lucky to have the time to be able to do that. Um, meanwhile, I was kind of looking to see what was out there and thinking a bit harder about what I wanted from, from a role. Um, and, you know, apart from the obvious, I want to be closer to home and not perhaps travelling so much while the boys are still young. Um, I, I became clear that I wanted to do something that just felt a little bit more meaningful um, in a way that I was going into it, knowing that I was connecting with what the organisation does more than just selecting a job that I like the sound of, if that makes sense. I suppose that comes as you, you mature and you're going through your career a little bit more. But when I was um, approached about the job at NNL, I, I knew nothing about um, NNL or the nuclear industry. But when I started to do my research and find out a bit more, I suddenly started to think, oh, this could really connect with kind of my beliefs and my values and, and the way I'd like to see my career move. Right. That's interesting, isn't it? And so, so you, you you took it, and and it's interesting because you look at an organisation from the outside. And I know before I joined uh, NNL, I did know a lot about them, and I had worked with them from the university side of things. But I did find when I got inside NNL, it felt very different to what I'd expected. What what was your experience? The organisations that I'd worked for previously were huge um, with tens of thousands of employees working for them and when I came into NNL it's a much smaller organisation that's not to say it's small but smaller relative to the previous organisations that I've worked for so that was a, a bit of an adjustment um, and just getting to grips with the amount of science and technical data and realising the, the impact of the work that the organisation do kind of blew me away a little bit actually. And how have you found your role? What have you? It must have stretched you in different ways since you've been at NNL. What what sort of things have been challenges, and what have you had to rise to? You know. Yeah. Um, so I think what I would say is, when I first joined NNL, I came in in the internal comms and engagement field, um, and I think one of the most challenging things was working with the, the different channels and working out would they reach everybody within the organisation, the technical um, nature of the information that was a challenge for me because obviously I said right at the start I wasn't into science and maths so suddenly I was thinking oh I, I really believe in what this organization is trying to do but I've not exercised the scientific and mathematical side of my brain for quite some time so I need to re-engage that um, so that was a, another big challenge for me um, 
but you know there's a lot of information out there if you choose to to dip into it so reading and speaking to people is something that I find is helping me in that field yes and because we're an organization with big different laboratories and, and offices around the country as well it's there's an opportunity I guess to visit those as well and not only meet the people but to see some of the stuff that actually gets done so um looking back uh, I'm just thinking of you doing your um degree at Liverpool John Moores and that sort of age where um what what would your advice be to yourself at that point in your life do you think I think my advice would probably be to broaden your thinking there is a lot more opportunities out there than you think you know you don't have to think in the realms of predefined career pathways such as accountancy or law or doctors or, or that type of thing um, and I would say to choose something that you love play to your strengths because if you love it going to work will not feel like you're going to work um, so that would be one point that I would make the second point that I would make is it's okay to change your mind um, just because you have started out in a particular pathway doesn't mean you are completely wedded to that pathway you can change and retrain and do something different at any point so don't be scared to try something new it's really good that isn't it because often you don't discover you know who you are and what motivates you and what you're good at without trying a few things which turn out not to be the you know the thing for you and it's all a journey of discovery isn't it yeah and I would say that's true of your career anyway it, it is a journey because even now I've done quite a long stretch in internal communications and engagement but now I'm starting to look at external communications and marketing so I'm still growing and learning and that's the beauty of your career accept that it will change and grow as you do but the important thing is knowing what you enjoy doing do what you enjoy that was one of the best piece of advice that I, I ever got from anybody and if you're good at it then you'll flourish absolutely Fantastic. Charlotte, it's been lovely chatting to you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, to help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.